This audio is brought to you by motherswhowork.co.uk, the resource for working mums, business mums and stay-at-home mums. Welcome to the Mothers Who Work podcast. My name's Joycelyn Akufo. I'm the founder and editor. And today I'm joined by working mum Phyllis. We'll be discussing... Hello. Hi, Phyllis. <laughs> we'll be discussing the LGBT agenda in schools. So, Phyllis, maybe you can introduce yourself to the Mothers Who Work community. Hello, I'm Phyllis, as Joycelyn introduced me. I have two children in primary school age. Basically, I'm very passionate about this subject and Joyce Lynn has invited me to basically have an opinion, which is very subjective to just my beliefs. It's interesting. We have two children who are of the same age in year five. Well, we each have a child in year five. And so that's obviously primary. I have an older child who's in year nine in secondary. And then you've got another one in primary, isn't it? Correct, yes. But I also have nephews as well. And a niece who are in secondary as well. I mean, the reason why we've chosen this topic, I guess, is because I personally have seen that it's becoming something that is being discussed a lot, in particular in my son's school. When he started the school in year seven, he goes to an all boys school with a mixed sixth form. There wasn't all that much talk in terms of sex education, but then one day he just came home and he made a remark about something that one of the teachers had said about how, you know, by the time they finish their school journey, a third of them will be will be gay. And I found that quite I don't want to say shocking, but I just didn't understand why it needed to be positioned in that way. And so in secondary school, what I find is that a lot of goings on, because obviously the children are a lot older and they're given a lot more responsibility in terms of what they're doing in school. You know, it's all about creating a sense of independence of doing and independence of thinking and all of that. So I realized very quickly that there were many things that as parents we were not made aware of and at some point this year got to find out that they had installed some gender neutral toilets in the school that there are a couple or more of transgender children in the school and one of the teachers actually had made a presentation in assembly basically letting the whole school know that he was gay because he'd heard whispers or something and it made him feel uncomfortable so he just wanted wanted to sort of set the record straight that is fine it's just the not knowing what's happening in the, in schools so during the course of this year i'm signed up to change.org as many people are and i got an alert about a petition that's going on regarding sex education in schools and um, the petition is called give parents the right to opt their child out of relationship and sex education and yeah. really only needed 100,000 signatures in order for it to get to Parliament for debate. It's currently got 103,486 at the time of recordings on the 13th of Feb. And so, you know, it's been discussed in Parliament and they responded. So an initial response on the 25th of February. But then it opens the debate, the question, 
I don't know, but what's your experience being on it, Phyllis? Okay, well, in in terms of secondary school, I did a bit of research and looking at the Sunwell website, that's sunwell.org.uk, they have a statistic saying that about 70% of secondary school teachers say that children and young people, regardless of their sexual orientation, experience homophobic bullying. Now, my stance on it is that, well, from what you're saying, yes, it is shocking about your son's school. However, isn't it demystifying the whole aspects of if someone is homosexual? You know, school should be a safe environment and it shouldn't be a place to bully children or anybody. I guess we need to know the context context in which the teacher has said that a third of the students will be homosexual or, or trans or bi, whichever. For me, I just kind of feel that, you know, school has to be a place where kids should be safe, whatever their sexual orientation, creed, gender, what, what, anything. Now, with regards to schools being open about LGBT, I thought that schools are better informed and to also inform students rather than, you know, children going outside and hearing or the, the misconceptions about mm-hmm. homosexuality or bi or whichever version or sexual orientation that we may think is right or wrong. I think there needs to be an awareness and this issue has to be addressed. Now, it's not an issue that is bad or good or anything, because as, as a heterosexual woman, I feel that it's not something that I have to talk about, about my sexuality, because it's accepted by society. But for me, when it comes to the bullying aspect, when you look at it, and it's 90% of students, now that is worrying. As a parent, if I got home and my child tells me that they're being bullied, assuming that they tell me at all, because the statistics also say that, you know, 45% of LGBT young people never tell anyone when they are bullied for being LGBT, which I find very sad. That's almost half of these kids. And, you know, there has to be a dialogue somehow. And I'm wondering whether the the schools are trying to shock to get that conversation moving, to get children thinking, to stop the bullying. That's my stance on it. You know, I think as parents, maybe before we start signing petitions, Maybe we need to take a step back for a few seconds just to educate ourselves. I say that because I'm in my late 40s or, well, going towards late 40s. And a lot of the time, I think my generation and the generation before me or us, we don't necessarily, we kind of think, oh, this is not because of my Christian faith, because of this, because of that. I shouldn't be, I don't want my children knowing about this kind of things or my kids are too young and we're being protective. Our kids are exposed to so many other things, but this is so important. This is part of society. We have to address it. We have to accept it. I'm not saying necessarily accept it. Accept it is maybe a strong way for some people. For me, accepting it is not an issue, but I think that we need to address the situation. We need to have a dialogue with our children. And if we can't do it, where is the best possible place? Mm -hmm. The school. Yeah, I completely see your point there and agree with much of it. Mm. For me, I just think ultimately schools have a care of duty, but they're not the legal guardians of the children. And so there are some conversations that you might say, you know, they're all in year seven, so they are age ready. But 
I would want to know that this conversation is planned ahead of time so that if there's anything that I feel that I want my child to understand or a conversation I want to have at home, either before school does it or after school does it, to check understanding or just to check how they're feeling about that type of conversation. And sex education in itself can be a bit embarrassing, you know, so it's not even just about sexual orientation. It's just the actual conversation itself. Okay. The thing is, schools would have actually had the training. They would have gone through the right channels, found the right words and approach to children to, to suit the age group that would normally, you know, they would teach about such subjects. And I hear you about feeling that they're not the guardians. But the conversation is the way that they're teaching the children. It's awareness. Is it the same thing of saying, as a school, I don't want my children knowing about other religions? I think if we use religion as an example, in my time, I thought that in the last, what, 30 years, because religion has been a part of you know, the studies in school, kids of you know, my generation and, and later, I think are more tolerant. And I think the school would be doing something more of on the tolerance level rather than shocking. I know what it was, the big, your beginning statement of what the teachers did, but I'm just wondering what was the context in which such conversations came about? Yes, I mean, in that example, I did grill him because I wanted to yeah. understand the context. The responsible thing to do, as opposed to just saying, what, you know, <laughs> why would you say yeah. And then creating something that isn't there. Because often if you do that, you find that your child will just not tell you anything again. <laughs> so in my yeah. head, my, in, my, in my insides, my eyes were popping out. But verbally, like a swan, you see them on the river. Don't even look like they're doing anything, but underneath they're paddling. And that goes, that goes to my next point, that schools would be a safe space for the children mm. to be able to ask the right questions. Because as a parent, and I, I'm one of those people, I may not have the answers and I may be quite shocked or uncomfortable or just not knowing, not being informed enough mm-hmm. to kind of have that conversation with my child or children. So I kind of feel that, and I'm not saying I'm leaving the responsibility of teaching my children about sexual education to the schools, because I've had this conversation with my children a long time ago. And this is simply because, like I said, this is part of our society. This is our culture. We, we, we go outside. We may see same sex couples holding hands or kissing and I don't want my kids to kind of feel uncomfortable I want them to be able to have a conversation about it and if that conversation has been had in school and I see something like that usually I feel that when I I had the conversation with my kids they were able to come back later on to ask questions about why those two people were kissing. And my daughter asked the question, would they be able to have babies? And I had to kind of laugh uncomfortably and said to them, well, they can adopt or there's so many different ways of having babies now. But that's another topic for another day, I said to her. In that moment, we were able to have a free conversation. Mm -hmm. However, a school will be a controlled environment where there'll be a lot covered. They might not have the questions or the means to articulate questions enough to ask. But the conversation has started 
And they, for me, they can come home and talk to me about it. They can still go to their teachers and talk about it. And like I say, it's a safe space, also an opportunity for children to stop before they feel they can bully the next person. To me, it's the bullying angle. There's enough bullying going on in schools and all walks of life, even in the workplace. Yes. But we need to be able to start somewhere. You know, homosexuality or LGBT is not going to go away. It's not going anywhere. It's part of our society. We need to deal with it. But signing petitions to say, don't teach it in school. Well, where should it go? Mm. I think, you know, was about not even because, you know, in primary school, I remember my son's school, you know, they let us know that, okay, at some point during this term or half term or on this particular in this particular week, we'll be having sex education. And basically, while we want all the children to have this, if there are any concerns, please speak with the teacher or the head teacher. And you do have your right to opt them out for example, and so on. For me, I just feel as if everything at the moment seems to revolve around sexual orientation and um, life isn't just about sex. The bullying that you've spoken about, of course, bullying has been around since goodness, the beginning of school days, even before. Sure, I appreciate that. Inherent things. But some bullying is about race. Some bullying is about poverty. Why is that not being addressed with as much impact? Like the amount of racial inequality in schools, I would say probably supersede bullying around sexual orientation. I I think most of the time schools do deal with racial bullying. I think they come on the kids really hard. And I think that's the right way. Now, LGBT, I don't want to say it's a new phenomenon, but I think it's a growing area that has been identified. We need to basically have this conversation. Now, race has been going on forever. That that goes without saying. I'm just saying that with bullying, this is one an, an addition. We need to start from somewhere. We do, but I th- it's almost as if it's all this talk about sexual orientation has taken over all the other areas, you see. So, for example, following the McPherson report, which followed the Stephen Lawrence issue, the case where institutional racism was something that the report highlighted was like an intrinsic part of British society and it was everywhere, well-researched, well-documented and so on. And race relations went up the agenda. Part of Ofsted's reporting had a compulsory element for race, racial issues to be addressed and to be put on Ofsted reports so that parents could see schools that had those issues. And very, very quietly, that was removed. So that's not even part of it anymore. I I won't stop you there for a second, please. In in what you're saying, I hear you. LGBT is not about colour, it's about sexual orientation. So with all due respect, there is race aspects and, you know, that is something to be addressed every day. We live with it every day, etc. But LGBT, my stance on it is that it affects all kids, whether, you know, in terms of whether black, white, Indian, Chinese, what have you. And this is the kind of thing where if we start from somewhere, maybe, yes, there's a lot of emphasis being placed on it. But if there's a lot of kids being bullied, even regardless of their sexual orientation, but they're being being bullied with homophobic words, 
etc. That is wrong. You know, we can't disregard race. But looking at LGBT, there are kids of all races in there as well, mm-hmm. in the school. And sadly, many of these kids, especially within the ethnic community, can come out to their families or have the conversations with their families. So again, saying about safe spaces within a school. Now, I think if we can actually listen to what the school, what the content that they're going to be educating the kids about LGBT, mm-hmm. that's a start. Because a lot of the time, there's a knee-jerk reaction to say, we don't want to hear this at all because it goes against our religion. It goes against this. It goes against that. We have to face reality. We shouldn't fail these children who don't have anybody anywhere to go or, or to anywhere to, you know, to speak to someone. It's not saying it's okay, but to and to just to hear them. I completely and, agree with that, you know. I think that it, basically the issue that I have is that if you're going to discuss LGBT, you need yeah. to discuss all the other issues. Let's not revolve all important conversation and have posters all around the school about LGBT where maybe we're not dealing with like eating disorders, depression, anxiety, race. LGBT can't be the only topic of interest, you know? That's the issue that I have because it's... Sure, but don't we have Black History Month? One month of the whole I'm, year. I'm being, I'm being a devil's advocate here. <laughs> to to be black. So why don't we have LGBT month and just leave it in that pot? Because, you know... Um, yes, but that, that education, that where we, we have things like pride and what have you. That's more um, and so Basically, I mean, you've really hit the nail on the head. If we can allot race to having importance for one month of the year... That's the skin you live in every day. And if you're a child who is being bullied because of your colour, because of your race, so you basically got one month in the year and it's been documented that most schools don't even approach the subject properly, you see. If you have to go a whole year and wait just one month to have this conversation, how is it fair that LGBT gets a talk every other week or every month or every week, however it is they're disseminating um, these... Because it's news? Because it's news? No, and this is the thing. That's my whole point. Let's open up the conversation because our lives don't revolve around sex and our orientation. There's so many other factors that children and adults alike are dealing with. That happens to be, okay, that's your preference, whether you're heterosexual or LGBTQ, just trying to keep up with some of the acronyms. I know that as a heterosexual woman, I don't wake up thinking, right, okay, I'm heterosexual. And so today, this is what, you know, my... Society has afforded us as the right to not have to think that. That's what I'm trying to say. I guess, and I think, (laughs) but I, I honestly, I just think that there's an imbalance in terms of yes, you know, now you watch TV programs and you'll see same-sex couples having relations, and this has been going on whether covertly or otherwise for a number of years now. So I think our children have grown up seeing that on TV. YouTube, for example, you know, a lot of young people are very open about their sexual orientation. They discuss 
all of that. And our children watch YouTube probably more than we watch TV because it's so accessible, you see. But there are other factors. I'm not saying that LGBT isn't important. I mean, if you fall within that category and you're having issues with bullying and so on, of course, you know, it's, it's a huge impact. But I feel as if, number one, parents should be made aware of those conversations taken place. Sure, absolutely. I, I agree with that. But mm-hmm. I kind of feel that, you know, if we're going to sign petitions on that, then we should start petitioning about race and other issues as well to Parliament, which I'm sure there, there's a number of that as well. To me, you know, is it so important that we're hung up on it being a sec- another part of sexual education? Like you say, it's on TV, it's on YouTube, it's on so many other media forms. And we need to basically have the conversation. I don't feel all parents have the means or the words to talk to their kids about this. And Again, for me, I want to know the content of that conversation with the kids or, or teachings of the kids is going to be, before, you know, rather than signing petitions and banning it. Because you then have the children being misinformed and the bullying carries on because they're misinformed. They're going around with ignorance and ignorance is, you know, it's a dangerous thing or little yes. knowledge can be even more dangerous. That's it. It's about that that whole birds and the bees conversation where, you know, if children don't get it right, you know, there was a time when teenage pregnancy would, you know what, I the conversation and the education of what the differences are in society about orientation, all of that, I don't see that it's an issue within sex education, but the children tend to have sex education prior to all of the agenda changing so much. It probably was like once or twice a year. But the feedback that I'm getting is that it's constant. I don't want to say that the young people are being bombarded, but everything seems to revolve around this. And yet a quarter of UK children leave primary and secondary school and they are illiterate. They're innumerate. The things that we as parents send the children to school to learn. Can you imagine that a quarter of children leave secondary school and they are illiterate? They can't read. They can't do maths and all of that a quarter of them so instead Mm -hmm. of the education system focusing on that thing for which it was designed for we could spend some of this time actually working with children and getting them prepared for life in the way that their school was intended you know um, yeah I understand understand that and I know we're coming to an end shortly but I also think with that said, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but what of the child's mental state, mental health? That is something that I think we haven't touched on. Yes, we've, and we've, you know, we've run out of time, honestly. We have. It's, it's, <laughs> honestly, it's be wonderful. an interesting one. Obviously, both of us are advocates of equality. That's something that I want to put out there. It's quite interesting that before you have a child, you have your views, but as soon as somebody (laughs) has access to your child, you find that maybe views and opinions that maybe were not there or things that were... Healthy, yes. That's it, isn't it? So I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a part two or something. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly, possibly. But I've enjoyed this very much. Thank you so much, Philip. Pleasure, pleasure. All right, we'll speak soon. Thank you. Yes.
You are listening to a podcast brought to you by motherswhowork.co.uk. Be sure to visit the website for more tips and advice on being a successful working mum.